0: If anybody thought that we were going to lose 365 thousand homes in 24 hours, and that two years later every one of those homes was going to be rebuilt, then you know you're you're not thinking.
1: From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker.
0: That's a good general New Jersey rule. It looks stupid. It is stupid. Screaming at people at gas stations is a New Jersey tradition. When you're going through hell, keep going. I think, like everybody else, I am ready to get rid of this damn snow.
1: This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. At the top of the show, we heard an excerpt from this week's Ask the Governor on New Jersey 101.5 with Governor Christie talking about Sandy recovery. And he announced on Monday that Richard Constable was leaving the administration, a man who has faced intense scrutiny for the way his department handled recovery efforts. We're going to speak about that with Heather Hadden, reporter with The Wall Street Journal, just a bit later. But first, we are here with Matt Katz, who covers Chris Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, and Tom Moran, the editorial page editor for The Star-Ledger. And another thing on the Ask the Governor show this week, Christie spoke about running for president. In particular, he spoke about the possible timing of his announcement.
0: You know, as I said before, late spring, early summer.
1: So, uh, Matt Katz, late spring, early summer, is this
2: new information? It is. Uh, we had heard last year that this was going to be a spring announcement, and we thought that it would actually be in the first quarter. So we were really looking at March. I think what happened here is the Bridgegate investigation and the fact that uh, indictments are hanging over this guy uh, pretty heavily. I mean, that we're expecting indictments related to Bridgegate any day now. I don't think the governor wants to deal with being a presidential candidate when as many as, I don't know, a half dozen of his aides end up getting indicted in a federal investigation. He would rather deal with it as governor, absorb the week or two of a media storm over it, let the dust settle, do the damage control, and then dust himself off and announce his candidacy for president. So I think that's one thing that has delayed this into June. The other thing, there's all kinds of uh, federal fundraising rules that I don't completely understand having to do with super PACs, which mean that federal officials like senators have more of an incentive to get into this race earlier than governors or those who are not in federally elected positions because they can continue to raise money from super PAC, so he's got a little more leeway.
1: Tom Moran, Senator Ted Cruz announced this week. What do you think about this a late spring, early summer announcement?
3: Well, I don't think it has to do with Ted Cruz because I don't think he's a big factor one way or the other, especially for Christie being in the moderate, not the extremist camp of competition here. But I don't know. It makes me wonder whether Christie thinks maybe he's not going to be a viable candidate, especially if the Bridgegate indictments come close to him uh, and he's at 4% in the poll and he really doesn't have a lot of... Uh, fresh accomplishment to present.
2: I'm more optimistic than than Tom, who's uh, Debbie Downer on this. Um, I think that it's possible that Jeb can be sort of this uh, body armor for Christie right now and absorb the shots from the conservative base over issues like Common Core, which Jeb and Christie essentially agree on, and immigration, which we don't really know where Christie is, but we assume he's closer to uh, Jeb than Ted Cruz. So he's absorbing some of the shots as the establishment candidate that Christie would have otherwise been getting. I think there's something to be said for not being the front runner. Eleven months before the first ballot is cast.
3: Well, he has left himself some wiggle room that Bush doesn't have on both immigration and on Common Core. Uh, he's flipped in the process of flipping on Common Core, and he has a commission looking at it, so he can say, "Oh, my commission has found these problems, so I'm against Common Core." And oh, on immigration, he's left; he's been vague, so he he is in a better position to move right to meet the base than Bush is. But that's a pretty narrow window. I think he's not getting the criticism because no one's threatened by him because he seems so weak.
1: I want to move on to one other thing. Uh, Matt, uh, one year ago, Randy Mastro, the attorney hired by Governor Christie and uh, paid for by New Jersey taxpayers, released a report on his investigation into the lane closures at the George Washington Bridge and uh, the related scandals that followed. Some have characterized it as a total whitewash.
0: Some have not this report says that I had no knowledge of it before it happened, um, and, nor did I authorize it and and or have anything to do with it, and that's the truth.
1: that's the governor speaking in an ABC news interview with Diane Sawyer. but uh, whatever your feelings on the Mastro report, it did make a series of ethics recommendations that Governor Christie said he fully embraced in the wake of the report's release. Now, uh, a year later, Matt Katz, you have a report out this week saying that a precious few of those ethics reforms have been adopted.
2: This report essentially exonerated Christie from having any direct knowledge or participation in the lane closure scandal. But it did say that there were some problems in the governor's office that needed to be rectified, and, and the governor agreed. The first, um, and this was carried out, was dismantling the Intergovernmental Affairs Unit, from which the time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee, that famous email, it was from that entity in which that email was sent, and it was believed to have been the political unit of the governor's office. The IGA, as it was known, no longer exists.
1: So that has happened. That's one recommendation that has been followed.
2: Right. Right. But there are some recommendations that weren't really followed. The Masha report called for creating a new email policy, and the governor's office echoed that sentiment in follow-up press releases. What happened was no new email policy was created for the governor's office. The state government employee policy on communications has nothing about using work email on personal accounts. Now, this is very important and very key to the whole Bridgegate thing, because remember... And very timely. Absolutely. I mean, if anybody's following the whole Hillary Clinton saga about whether or not she was doing State Department business on personal email accounts, um, then they're familiar with this issue. The issue is that Government employees can try to get around public records laws by using their like Yahoo and Gmail accounts instead of their work accounts. The famous time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee email was sent from a Gmail account to a Yahoo account. And there was also a Christie staffer in the midst of this scandal who ordered an underling to delete an incriminating email. There was supposed to be a new email policy that said, listen, only... Do your government email on your government account.
1: And is that happening?
2: That is not happening. Maybe it's happening more than it used to, but I know for sure that government emails are still sometimes sent on personal email accounts. Not only that, the written state policy has not been changed, contrary to what the governor maintained on the Ask the Governor show a few days ago.
0: Since the incidents of January of 2014, we have required as a policy in the governor's office, that everybody maintain um, a state email account and that you conduct business on that state email account. And if you happen to be using your private email account at some point, that um, you copy your state email account with Mm. whatever you do um, if one device or another is not available to you. So that's a new policy change that we've made.
2: What has been changed is the legal guidance... The governor's spokesman told me what they tell their employees about how to handle email that has strengthened in accordance with the master report recommendations. But that guidance is confidential. They said it's attorney client privilege, so they wouldn't provide it to me. That was not in the spirit, as I read it, of the master report, which said the policy would be changed.
1: All right, what about this story in in the International Business Times about uh, the Lester Glenn Auto Group giving a a loaner Corvette to Eric Scott, the host of the Ask the Governor show on 101.5 FM. Uh, This was based uh, on banter between the governor and Scott on a previous show where the governor uh, almost jokingly said Lester Glenn should make it happen.
0: I mean, maybe you can get something from the Lester Glenn Auto Group. What about a new car from the Leicester Glen Auto oh, Group for Eric maybe. Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think a nice Corvette would do one right. Red seems cliche. No, I, I don't How think about you that? should get red. Yeah. I, I like maybe like maybe the dark blue. The metallic dark blue. Yeah. yeah it has a little Very sparkle nice. to it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? This is an
3: unbelievable story. This is the main outlet the governor uses to speak to the people of New Jersey. 101.5 is a monthly call-in show there. And he, on the air suggests that the sponsor of the show give Eric Scott a car, and they do for a month, a loaner, a Corvette. Now, most real journalists, if a source would say, let me buy you a deli sandwich, would say, absolutely not. I can't do that. I can't accept any gift from someone to get a Corvette from a month, for a month. Now, it, I, have, I have a call into Eric, so in his defense, maybe he didn't want this. Maybe the main sponsor of the show was saying, here, take this car, and he felt pressure to. I don't know. But you can't present yourself as a journalist and take a free Corvette for a month. It's just way over the line. It's not a close call. So what's interesting to me about this bigger picture is that Christie will not do sit-down interviews with journalists in New Jersey who know the material best. He won't with me. He won't with Matt. He won't do
2: stand-up interviews either. I mean, it's been, we're, we're, we're approaching the six-month anniversary since Christie has done a press conference in the state of New Jersey. That's what I'm more offended about, that we haven't had access to him since the beginning of October uh, uh, 2014, and the only time that New Jersey press are are able to talk to him are when he's coming in and out of events around the country, and then he does not want to answer New Jersey issues.
3: I take your point on the press conferences. I've been covering this stuff for many, many years, and there's been no governor who comes close to him as far as not speaking with the press. But I think there's a big difference between a sit-down interview for a half hour where you can ask the governor follow-up questions about The mess that New Jersey is in when it comes to housing and transportation, it's bad. It's outrageous that he hasn't had a press conference in over six months. But it's also outrageous that he doesn't do sit down interviews with the state's uh, leading reporters for many years. It's outrageous. Matt, uh, I'm sorry.
1: No Corvettes for us. We're clearly working for the wrong station. But uh, Matt Katz, who covers Chris Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, Tom Moran, editorial page editor for the
3: Star-Ledger. Thanks again. My dented Toyota is my destiny, I'm afraid.
2: The keys are in it, and uh, it's blue your color, and it's a hot car, and... uh uh, we hope you like it. And Adam, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is the Christie Tracker podcast. I'm David First. This week, Governor Christie announced that Richard Constable, Department of Community Affairs Commissioner, was leaving the administration for a job in the private sector. Constable has faced intense criticism for the way his department has handled the state's Sandy recovery efforts. We're joined now by Heather Haddon, reporter for the Greater New York section of the Wall Street Journal. Welcome, Heather.
4: Oh, thanks so much. Heather, you
1: co wrote an article uh, about two weeks ago for the Journal that focused on the Department of Community Affairs' uh, Sandy recovery efforts and looked at the thousands of New Jersey homes damaged by Sandy that have yet to be fixed. And you quoted an unnamed senior official in the Christie administration describing the administration's Sandy recovery efforts as a disaster.
4: To to be fair, uh, states, when they experience one of these disasters, are starting from scratch. So typically they have no experience in handling a major disaster like this and how to run a ground up operation and work with the federal government, which has a lot of rules and restrictions on how to take federal funds. But uh, New Jersey really did seem to suffer from a lot of uh, issues in its startup.
1: And basically, you're you're dealing with a massive problem, thousands of people out of their homes, tremendous amount of damage, federal bureaucracy, delays in federal money arriving, local zoning issues. This week on his monthly radio call-in show, Ask the Governor on New Jersey 101.5, Uh, Governor Christie responded to a question from host Eric Scott on, you know, what would he do differently next time? What would he tell uh, another state that's hit by the next storm?
0: There is pressure to rush significantly in selecting the people who will help you to run these programs. And you want to start going as quickly as possible. And you need to take a deep breath and and take a little more time in that process.
4: That was the furthest I've ever heard the governor go and sort of admitting that maybe there was things that they could have done better. This is the first time I've ever heard him say that there were some administration issues and in the rush to select contractors and folks to head up this major effort, maybe some choices were made that weren't exactly ideal, I think. Maybe that was correct.
1: As you explain in your article, early in 2014, the administration relieves Richard Constable of uh, most of his Sandy duties and replaces him with Melissa Orson. How would you characterize Richard Constable's time in this office?
4: You know, he he felt a lot of scrutiny. Um, Richard Constable has worked with the governor for a long time back in his U.S. attorney days. I think they have a very good working relationship and trust. But uh, these are highly technical programs. I mean, in addition to all the Sandy work, I mean, DCA does a huge amount of other kind of things in the state. I think adding Sandy on top of that maybe was beyond his capacity.
1: Heather Haddon, reporter for the Greater New York Section of The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for speaking. Thanks so much. The Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christy Tracker Podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z, or Tom Moran at Tom A. Moran. I'm David First.
0: Till next week. I want to be the guy who you may say he's an SOB, but 10 years from now, when your pension's there, look up my address on the internet and send me a thank you note.